Things of Faith with Pastor Scott Hawkins. Welcome to the conversation part of our podcast. Remembering that we're going to split these podcasts up into two separate sections. The first will hopefully be um, a longer conversation like this so that you can listen to it before you listen to the shorter one with your family. And the idea here is just to have an open discussion to have a conversation so that when you go into the time with your children or with whoever and listen to the shorter one, you will feel prepared, that there will be questions and conversation that you can lead that doesn't just always point back to, well, let's wait until class or let's wait until we talk to the pastor, but that you'll already have some of those things in hand. So the idea here is just to listen to it, to enjoy, to be thinking about these things, and then when you have time with your kids to listen to the shorter one and have the conversation. So I think a natural question is why start with the resurrection? When most people start to think about God, they start in different places. There's a great guy named Paul David Tripp who wrote the fact that um, any belief in God always begins with this idea of awe or wonder that we start to look up and go, whoa, the world is so big. The mountains are so big. The ocean is so big. And I'm so small. How do I fit? Or who made me? Or um, what caused all of this to begin? And then that kind of thought will draw us to the opening chapter of Genesis. And the opening chapter of Genesis is the creation of the world, where God lays down the story of how everything was made. Now, just kind of a quick aside, it's important to remember that that's not intended to be a scientific textbook on how the world was made, but it's supposed to be a poetic, visionary narrative on the wonderful creation that God gave us. And I also think point to just the fact that he is the creator, and so we're not looking around the world for other creators. We know where he is, and we found him. That seems like a natural place to start. Also, then when you go there, you get to these questions of evolution and creation and does God exist? And all of those questions are valid and they're wonderful, but they don't lead you to the particular story of Christ. And we believe that Christ is the center of our faith. And his revelation to us is what defines us and separates Christianity from the rest of the world's faiths. In fact, with that kind of awe and wonder conversation, with the creation conversation, we of course would stand in line with at least the three Abrahamic different traditions, the Jews, the Muslims, and the Christians, all would point back to Genesis 1 or some version of the creation story. And so I wanted to start with this first Christian statement. And the first Christian statement is, he's risen. The first Christian statement is the empty tomb. We think about the gospel, and we think about the gospel, we all, of course, read the gospel from the beginning to the end. So we start with the Christmas story, or in Mark, he just jumps right into 
Jesus as an adult doing ministry. In John, he has that beautiful poetic opening. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. But really, faith goes the other direction. Faith goes from he is risen to then who has risen? Oh, Jesus has risen. And then tells the story of who this Jesus is. And so the first Christian statement, the first thing that really stands out and separates Christians from everybody else is this fact that we believe that God came into creation and rose from the dead. Now, that statement comes packed with a bunch of other things. It starts with the fact that in order for someone to rise, he has to die. And in order for someone to die, he has to have a real body. And so we go from he is risen to, oh, so we believe in a God who took on flesh, a God who came into creation, a God who is like me, and a God who can die. And all of that gets packaged up with the he is risen conversation. And those are some of the miracles that stand at the center of our faith. So three common Christian miracles are ones we've talked about. Creation, incarnation at Christmas, and resurrection at Easter. And so we believe that God entered human history. We don't just believe that God exists, that there is a God who created the world. There is a God who is in and with us that we don't see, but we actually believe that God took on human flesh, that he walked around on the planet, he felt real feelings, he ate real food, he slept when he got tired, he drank water when he got thirsty, he did all of those things. And that can be an incredibly difficult truth to swallow, because our temptation is to put God as totally other. In some ways, it seems like we are making God less than what he is or what he could be and should be. But in making that move, we also are making him like us and we're making him relatable. We're making him approachable. And not just that, but he can understand us. And so the beautiful teaching in Hebrews that we have a God who knows what it's like to hurt, to know what it's like to be abandoned, to know what it's like to experience joy, to eat a good meal, to laugh with your friends. All of those things are the God that we believe in. And so this this God, this God in human history, this God who walked around, who had a real body, he died. And he died at the hands of the Roman government. And the Roman government does killing people really well. So they are good at crucifying. They're good at getting rid of political prisoners. They don't want anything to do with that. And so they just kill them. And they crucified Jesus just as a political figure, somebody who was causing trouble. You know, when the soldiers were piercing him and nailing him to the cross, they weren't thinking, oh, killing the Son of God. This is just a guy who is causing an uprising. It's a guy who the king doesn't want to deal with. It's a guy who Pontius Pilate doesn't want to deal with. It's a guy the Sanhedrin is kind of working behind the scenes to make sure that he gets killed. And they're just doing what they do. 
In fact, it's so normal that they put him next to two just common criminals who were killed for going against the laws of Rome. And so he's on the cross. He dies. He's in the tomb. And three days later, the women come to the tomb, and he's gone. And there's an angel there. And the angel says, he's risen. He's done what he said he was going to do. We have a story where Mary gets to see him. We then hear Paul say he appeared to all the disciples. He appeared to 600 other people as well. Like You can go and talk to these people that they saw the risen Christ. And this idea then that he rose, this idea that he was dead and he rose, when that happened, the earth changed. Everything became different. And we now live in a world where God knows us, God pursues us, God understands us, God died for us, and he conquered death in the resurrection. And so we have to struggle with what to do with that time in history because out of that, all of these other things have happened. So the group of people who believe that Jesus rose from the dead they saw him, they experienced him. Then we know that Peter stood up and he preached and many people were converted. And also a cool thing is, is that God chose this all to happen in the Feast of Pentecost when there are Jews from all over the world already in Jerusalem. They hear Peter preach about this risen Christ. They go back to their homes throughout the Roman Empire and their lives have been changed by the power of the Holy Spirit and the risen Christ, the gospel. And so here they are in different parts of the Roman Empire, and they start worshiping Jesus. And they start talking about this God who rose from the dead. And these are the churches then that Paul went and started to fan into bitter churches and nurture and care for. When he wrote the book of Romans, he had never been to Rome. And so he wrote into a community that was already established. And so the question is then, well, who established? Oh, it could be another missionary, and they probably visited him. But more than likely, it was a group of people who were at Pentecost, heard Peter's sermon, went back, got this church going, and now Paul's going to get there and visit them and teach them. And so we have this group of people throughout the world then who are believing that this Jesus rose from the dead. And this was unpopular and was persecuted. And so for the first 300 years of Christian history, Christians are persecuted in different seasons, different amounts, sometimes incredibly heavily. Sometimes to have faith and to proclaim your faith, it meant that you were going to be killed that day. Other times it meant that you had to reject your faith and spit down on an image of Jesus or swear off the name of Jesus or be killed. Emperor Nero was, of course, the worst of these people where he had dinner parties and he would say, oh, Christians, you want to be the light of the world? Okay. And he'd dip them in tar and put them up on a pole and light them on fire at his dinner parties so they lit the party. And so this is what it was to be Christian. It wasn't politically convenient. It wasn't helpful to be a Christian, but yet this faith continued to spread. And so that's why, to me, the question has to be asked, well, what happened then? We have these people who spread out all over the world. We have these churches that are willing to be persecuted to the point of death. 
gaining nothing for 300 years, and yet it continues to grow. It continues to be alive. It continues to transform lives. And it's not until 320-ish AD do we have the Emperor Constantine become a Christian, and it becomes politically convenient to become a Christian. Up until then, it was a group of people who believed that Jesus Christ rose from the dead, that he did what he said he was going to do, and that everything is different because he rose from the dead. And the Holy Spirit breathing life and truth and faith into these groups of people. And they're all around the world worshiping this God, refusing to lay down his name, instead would rather lay down their lives. So what happened? I mean, if it wasn't the resurrection, if there wasn't a man who was killed and then rose from the dead, what was it? The, the season of Passover, the, the season of Pentecost. These were huge days when Jews are all over the world in Jerusalem, and Jesus appeared to them. Another interesting thing is in Jesus rising from the dead, he also verified all of his teachings. If I go and say crazy things about anything, and you start listening to me and you go, oh, that guy, he's just wacky. He doesn't know what he's talking about. You can kind of write me off because the ideas are so strange and so out there. Now, if I go and I say these things, and then you see me be killed, and then you see me three days later be risen up from the dead, what would that do about those wacky things that I was saying beforehand? Wouldn't that cause you to go, wait, we need to go back and listen to the things he said before, because this guy is different. The things that I had said could just be the ravings of a madman. But if I rose from the dead, man, that would cause you to go back and say, well, what happened? What was different back there? And so that is then what happened with Jesus's teachings, which is why we say it starts with he is risen. Oh, he rose from the dead. Well, who rose from the dead? Well, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, he rose from the dead. Well, what did he teach? Well, he taught all of these different insane things. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Not just love your neighbor, but love your enemy. Forgive those who hurt you, I tell you. Pray for them. Um, he taught about treating the poor fairly. He taught about loving people. He taught about forgiveness. He taught about mercy. He taught about um, giving up our things so that others can have things. He did all of these big statements that we don't want to do by ourselves, but when he rises from the dead, you have to go back and listen to the things he said before with new ears because now they're spoken by a man who has been verified by his death and resurrection. And so then we backtrack even farther and we have his mom telling this story about his virgin birth. And at first you'd say, yeah, okay, that's not something that happens because that's not the way babies are made. But if he rose from the dead, then maybe that is what happened. And maybe his teachings on God the Father are not as strange as we thought they were. In fact, maybe that is the way the world is supposed to be. Maybe that's the way it really is. Maybe as hard as it is to believe, as hard as it is to get to that place and to do those things, 
Maybe those are the ways to real life. You see how this resurrection becomes the lens through which we see everything else? The resurrection becomes what we need to go through in order to understand the rest of our faith. Instead of starting with arguments for God's existence, instead of starting uh, with creation, which we'll get to and how important it is to believe in the creation, instead of starting with um, those kind of typical conversations where people want to go, let's start with this very particular statement and particular insofar as Christians are the ones who say it, that Jesus Christ rose from the dead and he did it in human history. And that we can verify that by the witnesses and the documents of the people who lived in that time. And so the podcast that is for you to talk about with your family involves asking the question of what happened in Jerusalem. And I think we have to have an answer. We have to have either the answer of, well, the Gospels just are made up and somebody made a hoax or someone sold the body, a silly answer of, well, Jesus had a twin, and that twin didn't die, and he is the one who appeared to them. I don't know. You have to have an answer, though, because something happened, and the world shifted. Something happened, and there are a billion people in the world who do things differently because of what happened in Jerusalem around that time. There's real estate owned by churches. There's money given to nonprofits. There's people who are out there uh, proclaiming this love of God and feeding the poor and taking care of the tired and the hurting and the widows and the orphans, all because of this thing that happened in Jerusalem. And so that illustration of the map, like, well, what, what went on here? How can we explain this event? It is a location that needs an explanation. And to be quite frank, I think the Christian explanation, although um, it's miraculous and it is hard to believe at times, is really the only one that made sense. It's the only one that fits the evidence and the stories. I think it's good as a family to wrestle with the resurrection. And also, I think it's good to allow us to be wrestlers, to not have to... Um, just teach dogma and say this is the way it is and just believe it but to ask these questions of kind of what happened and what else could have happened and can you help me to understand what you think happened because that's the freedom for this kind of conversation so I encourage you to listen to the next one with your kids or with the people who are in your house to have a conversation to um, open up to what you think happened to explore other ideas. You know, if, if God is true, if the resurrection really did happen, then I don't think we have to be afraid of talking about these things because it's the truth. And so we don't have to hide it or um, be worried that our kids are going to discover alternative truths because I think the tomb was empty. I think Jesus rose from the grave. I think that that rose from the grave that, that day changed the rest of the world. I think that Scott Hawkins in Palos Verdes in 2020 is different because of that day. And I think that we need to wrestle with what each one of us thinks happened that day. Thanks for listening. This is Things of Faith. Uh, we're exploring just the beginning of the conversation about the resurrection. And we'll continue to work ourselves through this idea of faith and all the different components. So 
look forward to seeing you all soon. Things of Faith with Pastor Scott Hawkins.